Hello everyone and welcome back to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. In today's episode, we receive Ellen, our very first guest on the podcast. Ellen works as a finance manager and was formerly a manager in a big four consulting company. We asked her questions about a topic she specialized in within Corporate Treasury, trade finance. It was a real pleasure to interview Ellen. She was my manager for quite some time and taught me a lot of things that I know today about treasury, but also consulting in general. She is full of insights and very interesting facts about trade finance, and it was super interesting interviewing her. We hope you enjoy the episode. Ellen, thank you very much for having us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Hello, Ellen. Thanks a lot for being here. No worries, my pleasure. So, um, we are having you today to talk about trade finance. Uh, but before that, first of all, know that you are our very first uh, person to be interviewed on this podcast. Ooh, so, feel very privileged now. Yeah, very you, special. <laughs> you are, you are. So, yeah, double thanks for that. Um, maybe quickly to start and begin with, can you quickly introduce yourself and tell us what you do and why are you an expert in trade finance? Yeah, for sure I can. Um, so over the past couple of years, I've worked on various trade finance projects, uh, mainly to implement trade finance systems. Mm -hmm. But while that also looking at policies and seeing how these, op these instruments operate. Um, so that was my role during the past couple of years. And mm -hmm. I'm working as a finance manager um, and I work closely with uh, you as well, Guillaume. Yes, so that's absolutely. Nice. What's trade finance exactly? It's um, the kind of instruments you need to make international trades. So it's um, multiple kind of in financial instruments that you use to mitigate risks within international trade. Um, so, and I will tell you more about it within the, the rest of the questions. But it is actually um, a name for multiple instruments that you use to mitigate risk, basically. So that concept of risk keeps coming back again and again, Guillaume. That's what corporate treasury is about, yeah, definitely. Um, but so international transaction, uh, what do you mean exactly? Like companies uh, sending things throughout the world or buying, actually? How, how, how does that It's about buying exactly? and selling goods uh, internationally. Okay. So which needs to be uh, shipped for a long period, for example, or, mm -hmm. or flown over. But it's also about making um, construction projects or other projects where you have quite some risk okay. on the whole organization. So it can be both internationally, but can also be domestic, basically. Okay. Um, so it's, yeah, a noun to tell more about a couple of, of ideas, basically. Okay. But you have multiple instruments within trade finance. Okay. So that's where we make the distinction. Obviously. So risky projects with involving big amounts, uh, I imagine. And that takes a lot of time to be delivered from one part of the world to, the, to another or some things like this. That's, yeah, uh, that's exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, why is it a topic in corporate treasury particularly? Because in corporate treasury, we look at um, a couple of the risks and more, mm. more particularly the financial risks. Yeah. So there, um, the risk we typically see within trade finance that are covered with, for example, bank guarantees yeah. are um, goods that are, for example, not received in, received in time or services that are not delivered in time, um, bad performance on certain projects by a contractor, for example, mm -hmm. where you see that things are not moving ahead as they should be uh, or not timely. That's also a, a big issue, of course. Um, and reducing payment risk, which is uh, especially in the case of letters of credit, which is one of the other instruments 
is a big uh, risk that we are mitigating with, uh, with that instrument. So it basically facilitates yeah, businesses to grow without having all of these risks mm-hmm. and also increases the supply chain relationships. Because mm-hmm. there, um, if you have more trust between two parties, you don't need all of these mitigating instruments. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know the other party that well yet, you okay. might go for an instrument that can protect you against all of these risks. Okay. So you took the like, difference. Could you give us a practical example of a type of project or an instance where you would use trade financing? Yeah, for sure. Um, so probably the easiest to comprehend is the construction project. Mm-hmm. So there, let's say I am um, using specific equipment to like fulfill my client obligations. To like, yeah, construct something else or... or um, Cranes, bulldozers, voilà, exactly. forklifts. Exactly that. Like that. Yes. And for certain projects, I need a new equipment. So okay. a new crane, for example. Mm-hmm. So I ordered the new crane. But it takes time to be produced, of course, because it needs to be configured to my specific requirements. I need another type of yeah, instrument on top or I need a specific type of crane. So um, I go to my manufacturer and I ask him, okay, can you give me a bank guarantee which will cover me against these kind of risks? Risk about not getting the product in time, the crane in time, Mm -hmm. not getting the crane according to my requirements, Mm -hmm. because we have a contract underlying that tells me in one year from now, I need to have my crane fully installed according to my requirements. And I need to have it in time because my clients will be waiting on my other equipment produced with that crane. Mm -hmm. So of course, it's all the circle uh, that comes back. So just to be clear, sorry, in this scenario, you are talking about the construction company itself. Yeah, So a company indeed. that's been contracted by, let's say you want to build a skyscraper. Yes. Right? So me as a, uh, an investor in a skyscraper goes to a construction company and says, can you please build me a skyscraper, Ellen? Yeah. As the construction company, you need to order a new crane because it's the biggest skyscraper you've ever built. Yes. So you need to build a custom skyscraper, for the, a custom crane for this skyscraper. Yes. So then you go to your crane manufacturer and say, I need a crane. It's going to be the biggest crane I've ever purchased. My skyscraper project starts in a year. Um, I need to buy it like this. So can you please give me a bank guarantee? Yes, what exactly. What does a bank guarantee get me? A exactly. bank guarantee will be a document that in case that crane manufacturer is not able to produce the crane in one year time or something goes wrong and it's not correctly produced, mm-hmm. I can go to that bank and I can claim the guarantee. Okay. It has a value. So it has a certain amount. Mm-hmm. The amount that I can claim back to like uh, make sure that I don't have any uh, losses with my clients because they will be knocking on my door mm. saying, okay, I needed to have that skyscraper constructed, of course. So is it always the client who asks for a bank guarantee or a trade finance instrument or can it be the other way around as well? Like you need a crane and you want to make sure that you get it delivered on time. Can the supplier also ask for a bank guarantee or the other way around? Like, I want to make sure my client will pay me for this, for instance? Yes, it works in both ways. It depends on the instrument. Okay. So in the example I gave, you would give a performance guarantee, which is a type of bank guarantee, mm-hmm. in which yeah, the person who is getting the performance is mm-hmm. asking for it. Okay. Because the other party will need to pay for that guarantee as well. Mm-hmm. So you want to reduce the cost as much as possible. Okay. So therefore, it depends on which party is asking for it. Okay. Um, so in this example, it will be the client asking for that guarantee mm-hmm. and the supplier will need to provide the guarantee. Okay. So Clear. it's uh, both ways, yeah. 
That's clear. Um, so bank guarantee, uh, you just described how it works and what it is exactly. Are there other instruments used in trade finance? And uh, if yes, how does it work and what's the difference with a bank guarantee? So another big instrument you have is the letter of credit, mm-hmm. um, which is operating in a slightly different way. So there um, it will be to make sure that if you are in international trades, mm-hmm. um, the buyer and the seller are aligned, meaning that as a buyer, you don't need to make a prepayment before you get the goods in your hands, basically. And it can take a couple of months if you're shipping from one side of the world to the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to make a prepayment. And the other party also doesn't want to ship the goods out before knowing that they will be paid. So in that example, you would have a letter of credit with two banks in between. So you have the buyer's bank who will guarantee to make payment to the seller once all the uh, obligations are fulfilled. With obligations, I mean certain type of documents you need to complete, making sure that the shipment has arrived, that all the goods are inspected, everything is fine. Then you, as a, as a buyer, um, you will make your bank pay to the seller once the goods are fully done mm-hmm. and you don't need to pay upfront. So it saves you the risk of paying upfront to a party you would not know yet. And it also saves for that party the risk that yeah, they would ship to a party that would not pay in time, for example. So both the buyer and the seller, so again in our previous example, the construction company and the crane manufacturer, uh, they don't trust each other, but they both trust the banks. Exactly. Mm. Yes. So the, the construction company says, okay, this crane is going to cost us 1 million euros, let's say. The construction company pays the bank 1 million upfront, perhaps, and says, okay, bank, you hold this money. The bank then creates a letter of credit to the crane manufacturer and says, look, we have the money, you can trust us that we will pay you once you have met these requirements. The requirement is the crane has arrived, it's in good quality, comes with all supported documentation, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Now for a crane, I would not use this type of instrument. It would usually be for, and that could be in the type of, of the crane, one of the spare parts you use in the crane, for example, that gets shipped from China to Europe, for example. Mm-hmm. That would be then a um, letter of credit type of instrument you would use there. The difference between the letter of credit and the bank guarantee is the um, when it gets paid out. A bank guarantee usually doesn't get paid out because it is to mitigate the risk. Mm-hmm. So if nothing goes wrong, the bank is not paying. Okay. So it's just like a risk, like an insurance. It's an insurance. Yeah. It's an insurance. The letter of credit always gets paid out okay. unless it's not yeah, fully uh, fulfilled. Okay. But it is with the purpose of being paid out. Mm-hmm. And it also helps you with um, a bit of forecasting how much cash will leave your company mm-hmm. because you know when more or less the bank will be paying out and then you can also make sure that the bank has your money. Usually there are also two banks in between. You have the buyer bank and the seller bank. Okay. So the two banks communicate um, and it can also help you, for example, to see if you are paying to a country where you don't, usually don't pay or in a currency you don't pay. Okay. So that's a bit the idea. Any other instruments that we would use in trade finance or this is more or less the two most uh, common ones? These are the two common ones. There are, of course, a lot of other types of instruments um, that are in there. With nuances, I guess. With nuances, yeah. Especially bank guarantees, you can use them for different project phases. For example, if you're still in the process of bidding to have a certain project, Mm -hmm. you can have a bid bond, which is sometimes required um, to give to the party to make sure that you can fulfill that project Um, as you have described in your bid requirements. Okay. Then it would move to, for example, an advanced payment guarantee, 
where you then make an advanced payment, but you get a guarantee in return to make sure that you get your money back in case yeah, nothing is delivered in the end. Okay. Uh, you have performance guarantees, um, retention guarantees. If you make a certain retention upfront, uh, that you make sure you get it back in the end. So there are way, way many more variations. Okay. Um, but especially the performance guarantee and the advanced payment guarantee are the main uh, types that we see usually. Okay. And all of this is centered again around um, you want to make trade deals, some form of deals with uh, third parties or other counterparts who you don't necessarily trust. And these are all ways of inter intermediaries like banks helping to ensure the trade is fulfilled uh, and everyone can move forward with trust. Yeah, exactly. That's correct. Interesting. Okay. Um, and so maybe bouncing on this uh, quick summary, what's, I mean, where does it uh, appear in the Treasury Department, Trade Finance, and what does it look like in a best-in-class Treasury Department exactly? Depends a lot on the size of the company. Um, so if you are a small company, you might not necessarily have a lot of these instruments. Mm -hmm. Also depends in the sector in which you're active. If you're doing a lot of international trades, uh, you might use it more often okay. than a company which is just doing construction projects um, for just people living in houses in Belgium, you might not necessarily come across these type of instruments, even okay. though you might be a big company. But if you're working a lot internationally, um, doing large construction companies, mm -hmm. for example, for um, B2B trades, yeah. so not necessarily to uh, just you and I, but more to other companies. Um, and then if you go to these larger companies that have a lot of trade finance instruments, mm -hmm. you usually have a team of experts handling them. Okay. So you have a team of trade finance within okay. the company. Um, and these are people that know these instruments inside out. Mm -hmm. They know the language because it's usually type of yeah, legal language. You, uh, you agree with the bank and so on. So that can be quite technical. Okay. Um, and it's also very time sensitive. For example, the bid bonds, mm -hmm. you can imagine there's a lot of pressure behind this because the salespeople in your sales department, mm -hmm. they are replying to that bid, but they don't usually realize they need to give a bid bond as well. Okay. So then they come knocking on your door a couple of days before the deadline. Ah, I need that bid bonds. Then the trade finance team needs to call the bank immediately asking for, okay, can you make sure I have this guarantee in time? So okay. there's a bit of time sensitivity. So if you go to large corporates, they usually have a team specialized in trade finance to make sure that all of these items are yeah, handled with, uh, with, yeah. In a timely manner. In a timely and, uh, manner, exactly. That's what I was looking for. And uh, so that's interesting. So actually, so in bigger companies, there will be a dedicated team specifically for trade finance. And this team will need to be uh, in close contact with the sales team in order to be able to, uh, I mean, answer on time and uh, be yeah, exactly. If we talk about best in class within Treasury, mm -hmm. we also see um, that these companies usually have a policy okay. around trade finance, which is not only sitting within Treasury on like, how do you need to issue and so on, mm -hmm. but it goes wider. It also goes to the sales teams that need to be aware, okay, when do we need to make sure that we provide a guarantee okay. and when not? It's especially when do we not provide a guarantee okay. because it puts our company at risk. And also, um, we need to look at the, the departments that are like um, looking at the suppliers and also saying there, okay, when do we need to ask a guarantee from our suppliers? Mm -hmm. Which are the requirements when we would like to get that? Because it's yeah, mitigating risk. But if that trade finance team is telling you, okay, I need one now, 
but the project has started, all the contractual negotiation has ended, then they don't have any leverage anymore to ask for a guarantee. Mm -hmm. So it needs to happen upfront. That's why it's important to have these policies in place. And that's why that team can also help with shaping all of that, basically. What's the size of these trades that we're talking about? Like, at which point do you need to start considering uh, some form of trade finance instruments? Um, it can be multiple sizes and amounts, let's say. I've seen a lot of different, if you focus on bank guarantees now, a lot of different sizes. I've seen bank guarantees of like two or 300 euros, where you it's could wonder, there. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of trust, but you could also wonder, yeah, then it's maybe easier to just give like 200 euros uh, in advance and, and be, be done with it. But sometimes it's a requirement. Um, so if the other party is really mm. requesting to have the bank in between, then you might need to give it. But usually it goes to a bit larger amounts um, and it can go up to 10 million, for example, 20 million. Uh, it depends a little bit. So it also depends on the size of your underlying project, of course, okay. because your bank guarantee will never be larger than the underlying project and will usually also be covering for only a part of the full project. Mm -hmm. So you have in your policy then certain percentages that you can assign to um, specific bank guarantees. So you can say, for example, if I'm doing a performance guarantee, I would like to have 50% of the performance covered by a guarantee. So 50% of the total amount covered by a performance guarantee. So that's a bit the idea, but it depends a lot on the, on the company itself and also on the business in which they are operating. Okay. Are there some, you just mentioned requirements, uh, are there some where it's mandatory to have a, a trade finance uh, instrument involved in a, in a trade? I don't know, I'm thinking about like public, uh, exactly. public bid, for instance. Big That's bids for, for government, for example, they can ask for it, okay. but also for other companies. Sometimes it is in the bid requirements mm -hmm. to make sure that you issue a guarantee in time. Okay. If not, you're not participating to the bid. Okay, so, so it's quite part clear. Of, the, of the quote in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Very clear. Um, so who issued those documents exactly? I mean, how does it work? Is it, you mentioned several times, bank, obviously with a bank guarantee, we could imagine that banks are involved. Uh, so what are the different counterparties involved in a trade finance deal exactly? So it can either be a bank indeed, um, okay. that's the most obvious uh, example I would say, mm -hmm. or an insurance company. Some insurance companies also issue guarantees okay. or letters of credit. Um, and then what you need to yeah, issue a guarantee is of course a credit line. So the bank will not yeah, give a guarantee just for your pretty eyes, okay. but they will check your credit, credit worthiness. They will check if they can give you a credit line mm -hmm. and it will be usually yeah, involved with it other financing um, activities that they are helping you with. So okay. it will be a combo deal, basically. Um, and then if you have good relationship with that bank, you can also negotiate the fees okay. because of course they don't issue a guarantee for free. Obviously. So you need to pay for it. Um, if you have a good relationship, you might also get a bit of discount there. Okay. Um, and yeah, the client service might also be better, of course. Obviously. But that goes with the relationship. Um, another party that could be involved is, for example, an export agency. Mm -hmm. If we talk about letters of credit, because with the letter of credit, you have certain documents you need to fulfill to make sure the payment happens. Okay. So there, um, the export agency could be involved to, yeah, Make sure that the bill of lading, which is typically an instrument you use to indicate if um, a good has been passing by certain uh, 
export uh, agencies that they need to provide a document, they need to fill it in, and they will be one of your stakeholders okay. to make sure that you get the goods in time, but also the documentation and you can make uh, the payment. Okay, so it can become quite, quite expensive. If you pay for the instrument, if you potentially pay for the credit line, um, can all this be done internally as well? I don't know, I'm thinking about big group level entity. Uh, can the supplier or the client ask for a guarantee of that sort, but from a parent uh, entity from the same group, for instance, like one that is credit worthy? Uh, yes. Such, such no, it's a, it's a good point you touch upon indeed. Okay. So sometimes companies also provide um, parent company guarantees, okay. which are issued by the parent of a certain group and but, not by the bank. Okay, so parents maybe, can you define that, that word exactly? But, uh, so um, it can be, I am a construction company globally. Mm -hmm. um, I have subsidiaries in Europe. I have some in China. I have some in... Uh, the US, for example, but my head office is a company in the US. Okay. So that's my yeah, consolidated head office. Mm -hmm. If I am going to participate in a bid from one of the branches in Europe, yeah. I can ask my parents to write me a bank guarantee and tell them, look, if that small subsidiary in Europe will be will go bankrupt, mm -hmm. the parent in the US will still the provide provide financing. So okay. they will still pay out the amount of the bank guarantee in case you go bankrupt. Okay. But of course, uh, for the external party, it's less yeah, sure that it will happen, right? Obviously. Um, so sometimes they will accept to have a corporate guarantee, mm -hmm. but other times they will not accept it and you will need to go to the bank for okay. the bank guarantee. So it's again this uh, trust uh, principle on whether you involve a third party exactly. or not. Okay, yeah. clear. Um, so we touched upon systems uh, in corporate treasury in the previous episodes. Uh, we talked about the TMS, so the treasury management system, uh, the payment hub, this kind of uh, this kind of things. Are there systems that can be leveraged to optimize trade finance in general, or is it part of uh, the TMS functions, for instance? Uh, how does it work? There are specific systems indeed for trade finance. Okay. Um, so they are they are tailor made. And you can there record your instruments properly. Mm -hmm. um, and there, are, some of them also have bank connectivity, so that you just okay. request within the system a new bank guarantee, and it then communicates automatically with the bank to ask the bank to issue that guarantee. Mm -hmm. And one of the bank communications then happens via Swift, for example. I think you touched upon that in the previous episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there are specific Swift messages only for trade finance, where okay. you then have all the the details of the instruments that mm -hmm. are sent in a structured format to the bank. But of course, this is again, for the larger companies, quite interesting. If you're a bit smaller, you could use the tools of the bank. Mm -hmm. Some banks have their own tools in which you can also see the bank guarantees that are outstanding. So that might be interesting. Or yeah, if you're a bit smaller, uh, yeah, good old fashioned Excel might be even sufficient. <laughs> Always work. So that might also work, but it depends a bit on, on how you operate within your company, of course. Okay, so <clears throat> the maturity of your treasury department, obviously, the size, if you have a dedicated team for uh, trade finance, I guess you would look for specialized tools, maybe. Exactly. So it uh, more or less depends on the size of the company and the treasury department. Exactly. Okay. And then maybe something else to mention there it's not a system, mm -hmm. but you could also use a classic vault uh, to store your documents. Okay, old-fashioned. Old-fashioned, fireproof, okay. uh, <laughs> but you would require it, a physical vault, like a, a safe. Okay. 
like with the wall. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, very safe. <laughs> Behind the painting. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But it's not so interesting to steal these documents, so okay. <laughs> probably it's not required behind the painting. But um, usually these original documents need to be sent back to the bank to close out the guarantee. Okay. Um, so if you don't have them anymore, it might become a problem and it will be yeah, difficult to, to fix that. Mm -hmm. So that's why you see that some companies keep them in a yeah, special vault only for documents. Um, except, of course, if you have digital originals, which is coming up in recent years. Obviously. Companies want to digitize as much as possible. They don't want to have paper sitting in a vault somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so you can have digital originals. There are specific tools to issue that and have one specific copy. Mm -hmm. And some of these tools also work on blockchain, okay. which is uh, trade finance is a typical example to use blockchain. Okay. Is it something that uh, is used right now, like blockchain to ensure uh, the right execution of trade finance deals? There are certain uh, trade finance tools that use blockchain as a basis okay, to exchange documents. Yeah. Okay. Because again, it comes back to this uh, document that is binding and you need a unique reference, so it makes exactly. sense to use the blockchain. Okay. Yes. Very good. Why, why are the originals so important? I mean, if everyone has, if you have, like, for example, if I have a normal contract, I don't necessarily need the original contract. I can have a photocopy of the contract. I could have a digitized scan of the contract. Why is in this specific context the original so important? So maybe I can uh, give a little of uh, input on that. Um, back when I was working at the bank, I was uh, dealing with some domestic guarantees. So it wasn't in an international context, but uh, there was such a thing. And um, the reason for the bank and uh, overall the good execution of the deal Uh, requesting the original is uh, more or less an old-fashioned thing. It means uh, historically we needed the original document to be able to uh, enforce it uh, in case, I don't know, it was taken out into a trial. We need to settle this, uh, this deal. Some of the counterparts didn't fulfill their uh, engagement. So in the eyes of the law, we needed the original document for this. And uh, a bank will always require it to close uh, the deal to say, okay, this the party has uh, fulfilled its engagement. So therefore, with uh, an explanation that yes, it's a done deal plus the original document, we agree on not invoicing anymore uh, for this domestic guarantee. So I think it's mostly for historical reasons. Uh, now everything is done um, digitalized, so it's uh, working differently, but we have this blockchain concept, so we have a uh, unique reference as well. I guess that's that would be the answer. Makes sense. I hope the digitized documents will be the future. Yeah, <laughs> we really need it. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if I could summarize then, mm -hmm. uh, Ellen. So this is how I understand trade finance in my non-corporate treasury background, so please tell me if I've got it right. Um, trade financing is essentially ensuring trust in large-scale deals, typically large-scale deals, right? That could be internationally, it could be domestically. It is all done through an intermediary like a bank, or in some cases, even a parent company, or some form of guarantor between the buyer and the seller of a service or good, right? Exactly. Is that's it also services or is it also, services. also services? Yeah. Right, so that can be done through different instruments like uh, bank guarantees, which is like an insurance policy that the bank issues It says, if you do not deliver, then the bank will pay out. Of course, the bank charges for that insurance, but that's one way. And that could be a legal requirement, even example of a public service good, like something like a government is going to buy a service. They might say, we have to have all of our deals done through a bank guarantee, for example. Another one could be a letter of credit, which is 
um, the, the buyer would put the money into an intermediary and say, hey, look, they're holding the money. The bank approves, yes, I have the money in my accounts. Uh, when you have met your obligations, I will pay it out. And then the seller goes, okay, I'm happy to go ahead with this because now I trust the bank, even if I don't trust the supplier, the, the actual buyer itself, right? Um, is that a good overview of why we do trade financing? And, and exactly. That? that summarizes completely. Thanks for that. <laughs> Very good. All right. Ellen, thanks a lot for having us and uh, giving us all these insights on trade finance. It was a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. It was nice to uh, participate in the podcast. Great pleasure. Thank you.